We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Look, it was no it was no blue chew. You know, all the commercials. You said invigorating, and I thought, blue chew. <laughs> punch I was, and Judy. As a, as a hitter, I was a punch and Judy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you were, but... Ah, Danny Parkins is not here. Good morning, everybody. It's Hit and Run. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on 670 The Score. One more segment to go with Colin Faulkner and Brooks Boyer, respectively the the, uh, senior vice presidents for sales and marketing for the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. I was stunned that the um, titles are exactly the same. Brooks, he deserves a promotion, and I hope Jerry's listening. We've been over this. It's, it's, you know, kids... I've got six. He gets six. Right. Title. Right. I'm sure right. as soon as he was know, a he senior was... vice president before I was. So, uh, yes, I was yeah. just following in his that's, footsteps, that's fine. which yeah. he was following in what John McDonough's yeah. footsteps. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody's. Yeah. yeah. Anybody's. Do you have a guru in this business? Is there somebody who taught you, Brooks, um, the ways of uh, of this business? I've got a few. And you know, Steve Shanwald was was my first boss at, at the Bulls. Uh, brought me into the business and 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 let me be me during uh, d- during that time of learning. You know when when you're learning. Yeah. Uh, Howard Pizer, who's who's still uh, with the White Sox and the United Center, um, has has been. I, I I'll often say I went to the Pizer School of Law mm-hmm. uh, because he he taught me how to be detail oriented. And then and then luckily the last 15 years working directly for Jerry has has been great. You just you just learn so much because he's seen it. And done it all. There's there's rarely a time that you go through, with the exception of of technology, which he's way up to speed on technology that he hasn't seen. Hmm. So it's 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 been a great learning experience. And being in a market like Chicago, you, you have friends you know throughout the industry and in Chicago. Yeah, you just got a lot of people you can learn from. I wish um, I wish this station and m- most stations, but really mostly this station, had a had a better relationship with Jerry. I'd love to talk to. Jerry. I mean, it's a baseball guy, right? This is a kid who grew up a hardcore baseball fan and eventually was given this opportunity to own a team and runs it as, right. like he loves it and still does. Yeah, when you think about it, had his heart broken by the Brooklyn Dodgers yes. moving. Uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah, he, he, he loves the game, respects the game, loves our players and, and, and wants nothing more than, than to see White Sox fans be rewarded. And, and his willingness to go this particular route that he went three years ago is, is, is pretty astonishing. Now, a lot of people kind of wondering if he'll now go the Mike Illich route of just spending everything I got. Here's everything. That's, that's worked really well for the Tigers. (laughs) Right. Maybe that's a window into no. How about you, uh, Colin? Is there a guru in this business that 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 you have? You know, I, I tell you know young people that I talk to that that want to get in the business. I've been fortunate, like like Brooks, where um, Jim Lights, who's the president of the Stars, the Rangers, Jeff Kogan, uh, a guy named Brian Burns, who's running things at the Thunder, uh, Jeff Moore, who's a one of my bosses, a mentor of mine. I've gotten to work for a lot of really smart people along mm-hmm. the way, and and I've picked up um, kind of what to do and not to do. Um, from those folks, I think we're we're both fortunate in that we've had people along the way that have helped, you know, make us who we are today. And, and they're people that we still go back to, at least in my case, you know, still go back to, you know, Jeff or Brian or other people and and ask for their advice on things. And I think we are both we both try to pay it back, um, you know, with other people in the industry who who come to us, which is often saying, 
you know, give me some advice on on what I should it's do. It's kind of weird being, you know, we're we're, we're, we're starting, now. yeah, we're starting to be the older guys that people come to us, and you're kind of like, oh yeah. wait, yeah, I don't really yeah. have much wisdom I'm, to I'm depart. Old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of the natural circle of things. I yeah. mean, how much? It's some of my favorite baseball stories that exist, though, are the fact that. You know, when Jason Hayward showed up as a rookie in Atlanta, David Ross was his locker mate and helped him feel comfortable. So in Ross's last year as a Cub yeah. and Hayward had just signed that big contract, Hayward springs for a suite, suite for the family yeah. on the road for David Ross's entire final yeah. season. Yeah, it's that, awesome. that kind of full circle stuff is just that's that's absolute gold. Like, you know, young Canerco learning from guys and then right, right. aggressively passing on wisdom to anybody who will take it. Right. right? I mean, this is. This is the goods of the game. All right. Speaking of the goods of the game, what what um what brings you both to Cooperstown, uh, where you have this confluence? You guys find yourself there. Was it this year for 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 Baines and 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 uh, and Lee Smith? Yeah. So this this year, uh, I was probably the only dad in America who went to Cooperstown twice this year and Williamsport. Uh, but I went there for my my son who was twelve now thirteen played in Cooperstown, which you know folks listening who have kids have gone to Cooperstown know what an unbelievable experience it is to get to play mm-hmm. um at at one of the fields there All-Star Village or Dreams Park they they make them feel like a major leaguer i mean they're doing their laundry for them they yep. stay in these dorms ironically my son stayed in the Billy Williams dorm which was pretty pretty dang cool so i texted uh texted Billy a photo he sent a video to the kids name dropper block. it was oh, it was really really cool, really cool. That's so awesome. I was, mine was in Babe Ruth so no video no from the he's <laughs> not with us uh so I was up there for that uh and then we both went up there for for the inductions and Brooks was lucky that his son played uh I'll let him tell the story but right yeah. after that so it was a same thing for us you know obviously Lee Smith Harold Baines going in and I think it was the last time I physically saw we you we ran had, into each other in the in the great hall, yeah, yeah, in, in, in the the plaque hall, and 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 it's great to have baseball conversations there. You know, we we love the game, so to to be able to stand there and and to see the greats of our game walking through there is it's it's an honor. I mean, we're custodians of our brands, yep. and to be able to be there and then to be able to share a, a week in Cooperstown with with your your kids, it's unbelievable experience. We're we're so we're so fortunate to do what we and do. Brooks was actually. I, more to the story, but yeah. when I walked into the Great Hall, he was actually picking out his spot. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Assigned it. Brooks was also pointing at himself frantically when I was asking you who your mentors were. <laughs> so, you know, one thing one thing leads to another. Um, uh, Colin, give me an item or an exhibit at Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame that hits you hard emotionally in terms of, of baseball or mentally, intellectually, whatever. Uh, th- I, so I went there twice like i said i don't think i saw everything that was in there you can't um but one interesting thing a lot of stuff stood out one of the interesting things was the sosa ball was there yeah um and so just this whole um thing with steroids obviously a big discussion in the game and and just how the hall of fame chose to treat it um i thought was interesting for for team for people that haven't been there it's it's interesting the way they've chosen to chosen to treat it which is to to admit that it exists like they have a small like a little small thing it's got it kind of acknowledges that that period um and but it's it's a small segment of of the overall so that that definitely stood out to me um did it did it lead you to um to partake in conversations in a different way around your place of work when sammy's name comes up no, not really. Uh, I mean, that that's obviously something that, that people have talked about. And, and that period... Um, it's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward. Like that period... It's awkward for us just to even that like, period talk about was, it That period made baseball very popular. Um, I actually just started watching. There's a Netflix documentary 
uh, called Screwball that just came out. Okay. Um, I've heard about this. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk came about this. I just this. started watching the first Someone half with my son. Someone just recommended it. Yeah, it's very interesting. I haven't finished it, but it's 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 about that time. Did you watch um, the the unedited Bash Brothers experience that Andy Samberg took no, part in? No, but I did have a that, Conseco and McGuire poster on my wall growing up. Yeah, well, like, who, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who, who didn't? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the, 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 the Bash Brothers thing is Andy Samberg is all like parody hip-hop songs about roids and hitting bombs. Got it. No, funny. that stood out. But the the cooler part of Cooperstown, I think, is just it's this small town. You walk down this one main street. Yeah. It's all little baseball shops selling yep. bats and cards, and it's it's a trip back in a time machine. It's, it's, it's really 1,800 cool. people in Cooperstown. Crazy. So it's, it's 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 very small. It's very hard to get to, but you do you feel like it's it's a throwback. And and for me and and the boys, the the Babe Ruth exhibit is just something that you know they they get it. And and to see the the hall through the eyes of, of your kids yeah. and that, that love baseball and it, it really connects them uh, and it connects you. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the one time that they weren't punching each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but that Babe Ruth exhibit is just amazing because they, they do a really good job of taking you there and that's his stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, see, Brooks, like the radio pro that he is, just took himself to the answer. I didn't even have to re-ask the question. The, the, He's a genius, the, a marketing no, genius. The Boyer and Faulkner show coming soon to 670 The Score. My we'll, God. Talk, we'll talk to Jimmy sponsors, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this is, we, we want to cut. Mitch. We want cut in on the sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, you, you mentioned the netting is there at the White Sox. You guys mm-hmm. did this of your own volition, right, right. Brooks? Extended the netting. We're like, does your as a father of six, was that in your head? Like, like I, why, why did this happen? I, I well, I think it happened because Jerry saw people getting smoked with the ball. I mean, these are these are grown men that are throwing the ball harder than they have before. Uh, that are hitting. You know, we we show people the exit velocities of some of these baseballs. Yeah, and even though the the, the nets have continued to be extended, uh, Jerry's Jerry's feel was that eventually everyone's going this direction. Um, even though there's no mandate from Major League Baseball that you have to do it, we were lucky structurally uh, to to be able to extend them when we were able to to extend them. And you know, with you think of the imagery overload, and and you know, even 15 years ago, people weren't spending their times looking, you know, spending the game looking at their phones, and and you're doing so many other things. I mean, think of all the stats we put up sure, in right. in, the, in the ballpark. We're directing people in other areas other than the ball. Mm-hmm. So when you see a dad run up, uh, you know, a, a stairwell holding his, his kid to get you know him or her to first aid, you know, it's Jerry didn't want that to happen in our ballparks. Now, now this is not a, a, a black and white slam dunk issue as clearly indicated by the lack of a league mandate. Um, I, I understand it. And I, um, but I admit to seeing both sides because when I sat down the other day at Wrigley with my wife and two stepdaughters in whatever section it was, 28 or something, I was frankly thrilled to be just beyond the netting. Yeah, I mean, and that, we, that is my own personal reaction. I was thrilled to just be on the netting and realize, you know what? Oh, hey, we might actually get a foul ball. So right. that is still very much a part of my mentality when I go to the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, as part of the restoration of the ballpark, we obviously moved the um, dugouts a little bit further down the line. And at the same time, when we did that, we also extended the netting past the end of the dugout. So our dugouts are probably um, outside of maybe like the Red Sox, further down the line than than most teams. And we extended that netting past there. But it's certainly something that that we talk about and we're putting a lot of work into evaluating. Mm-hmm. To Brooks's point, every ballpark is different. Uh, and just the engineering of those nets to make sure that they're, um, 
you know, not draped onto people. And yeah, there's I, a lot of I angles involved and trying to figure out how to do it. And, and what's actually going to make a difference? Like, do we need to cover the bleachers yeah, for I, home I, for bag I, yeah. practice? Like, I know. don't know how some parks are going to, it's going to be able to do it structurally. Fenway's bizarre. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't know how people. Yeah. Or how everyone's going to going to be. And able not to everyone's. Do it. I mean, there's safety is our number one priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also fans that say, yeah, but I want to get a ball from a player. Sure. Um, and so you're you're putting something between me and the players. And so we we take all of this into account. We're we're, we're talking to fans. We're mm-hmm. we're asking them. We're we're surveying them and. And we're looking at what other teams are doing. And to Brooks's point, every ballpark is different. So it's not as easy as just saying league mandate, go to the foul poles, and it's, yeah. it's done. You know, we, right. we, had a, we had a conversation in, in our office about what does the, the netting take out of the game. The netting takes out of the game, you know, a guy going into, into the stands to make a play. So those are gone. You know, if, if, if you, but then we had within the first homestand of having the netting all the way down. Was that Jeff McNeil of the Mets who yeah, jumped yeah, into jumped the Jumped in and it like ricocheted him back like he came off a trampoline. He looked like yeah. a superhero. Absolutely. Terry Savarese from our office says, you know, the game always figures out a way to evolve. And, and, and you know, it, my argument was, what about the great plays? We're not going to have the great plays. That was a great play. That was a great yeah. it, it reminded me of, like, I've taken my kid to Sky Zone, right? With yeah, the, the trampolines right, right, all over right. the place. You, you can do it that way. All right, a couple quickies before I get you guys out the door. Um, one to ten. How much does team quality matter in your job? One to ten. How important is it? Quality is that of the guys you have or the performance? The, 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 uh, I guess that's a, that's a different question. So, yeah, uh, quality of wins and losses of the team. I think the way that Brooks and I approach the job, and and we're trying to – control the things that we can control uh-huh. and we can't control the team on the field no, so we're can't. trying to control the things we can't control is our job made easier when the team is good yes however it just brings different challenges um so the challenge when you your team is not playing as well is just a different challenge yeah, it's not plans. that we don't show up for work when the team's good right. uh it's just a different challenge but certainly um our jobs are made easier by by good teams. Uh, yeah, my plans for quickie answers going uh, going by the wayside, right. but that's okay. The, but for you, d- d- hopefully, you're entering an era where the quality of the team is going to make your job the, easier. The, the best marketing plans start with a great product. No we, doubt. we we I was brilliant in in '05 and '06, and mm-hmm. I've clearly gotten dumber as, yeah. as the years have gone. <laughs> um, the likability of your manager, how important is that to your particular job, Brooks? Uh, I I think it's important that that he. It's probably more important that he communicates in the clubhouse as opposed to maybe what happens publicly. Uh, you know, we we had Ozzy who who was uh, you know kind of all over the place, yeah. and, and and it was lightning rod, and he was fun. You know, and sometimes you you, you shook your head. Um, we, you know, where Ricky and Robin have have been a little bit different, but we we've been lucky in that respect that that we have. You know, we don't have a celebrity manager right mm. now. Yeah. Um, how, uh, give me a media member that you've had to bite your tongue for that, that you'd like to call and say, you know what? You shut the hell up. And if it's me, that's fine. I, I don't think I have any, there's a, there's a, people believe that John Greenberg and I don't like each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. We probably have a similar relationship that Brooks and I have. Um, but if people who follow us on Twitter, uh, he, he pokes at me a lot mm-hmm. and, uh, and I can't engage the way he can. Um, so <laughs> And he knows uh, that. He knows yeah, that. he knows it, and he's listening. I'm sure right now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I don't really have anybody who I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate that person. All right, Brooks, have you ever uh, had had to bite your tongue for anybody? Uh, any anyone who gets a paycheck from WSCR is is uh, is on my <laughs> list. You're on my radar. Those guys are problems, yeah, aren't that's, they? That's right. Top to bottom. Um, Mitch Rosen, thanks you both. I thank you both. Pleasure to have you guys here. This was very fun. Thanks for having us. Uh, we'll do it again for sure. One ten start, guaranteed right field. <laughs> Tickets available. <laughs>
Let's go. We do too. They're playing as well. Dicks available. Cubs.com. Thanks for having us. Man, right, this, this is a lot of fun. Appreciate Good. appreciate the opportunity. We didn't to get talk to the texters. Uh, yeah, oh, the texters. We could do an hour on the texters. Yeah, Thank you, texters. Yeah, anything oh, the you want to respond to? Amazing. Uh, is Mitch finding a time slot yet for the Brooks and Collins show? This yep. is it. It yep. just debuted. Yep. Yep. And don't worry, I'll be frozen out. This like is I like Bill, have. this is like the Bill Walton thing. This is it. This is <laughs> it's your one. We're time. never going to be invited. One time, gentlemen. Thank you, Brooks Boyer, Colin Faulkner of the White Sox and Cubs, respectively. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to Wayne Randazzo about the Mets, who the Cubs get next, and the Braves, they played last night in the National League in general, and Bruce Levine from the ballpark later on. It is hit and run on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. An eighth inning chance. Line drive! It's in for a hit. That's going to score Tega. Look at Hamilton fly to third. And Ronald Acuna Jr. midway between first and second. And Hamilton comes charging home. How about that? Well, that's what speed will do. I don't know what J.D. Davis was doing. I don't know if he forgot Hamilton was out there or just took for granted that he was going to pull up and hang at third base. But Billy saw it. Billy saw the indecision out there, and he took off. That highlight from Atlanta Braves TV. The Braves have been fortunate to pick up three different pieces post-July 31st. Danny Echevarria... Billy Hamilton and Francisco Cervelli, but Hamilton right there just, man, it's an element that baseball viewers in this town have been dying for the Cubs to have. And Billy Hamilton is obviously uh, a very imperfect ball player, can't get on base enough to make the speed play as much as it does. But when he's there, goodness. And, um, and really, if you've been watching this series against the Nationals, just seeing Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, Victor Robles, and some other members of the Nats do their thing at the top and bottom of the order and use their speed, it's an element that's missing. And there it was on display, Hamilton scoring from first on a Ronald Acuna RBI single thanks to some lackadaisical uh, outfield play uh, by a moment, uh, or for a moment, by the New York Mets. We bring in our old friend Wayne Randazzo, play-by-play man, for the New York Mets, that is fun to say, uh, Wayne, and it's uh, nice to bring you in. Thank you for the time. How you doing, man? I'm great, Spigs. How you doing? I'm very good, thank you. So, you know, I, it's just it's the quality of the Braves top to bottom that I find myself thinking about. And really, by this point in the year, in August, I feel like I know which teams are the good teams and the Cubs are, eh, which is which is part of that conversation. But the Braves, especially now that they have that bullpen stocked, how good are they as you've been watching them these last couple nights? This is a, it's a great team, and it's really a, not even a healthy team right now. Dansby Swanson's on the injured list. Nick Markakis is out. Brian McCann is out. Uh, they hope to get Austin Riley back, too. It's such a great start to his season. And Ciarte's on the injured list, so they got a lot of guys out. And they are, they're still able. They've racked up seven straight wins, even with all these guys on the injured list. They've maintained their lead, even as Washington continues to play well. So it's a good team. It feels like the National League is, is separated really by a few different tiers. you got the Dodgers on Tier 1, the Braves on Tier 2, and then there's that 
muck in the middle that's tier three with the Cubs and the Nationals and the Cardinals and the Mets and the Phillies and the Brewers. Yeah, I think I think that's them. And as we start try to sort out the Central, you've been trying to sort out the East all along. I wrote the Mets off, Wayne. I know I'm not alone. And uh, then it was a lot of up and then some down. Where are they? What kind, what kind of team is this that you're, that you're covering and working on these days? Well, I think it's a team that really believes in itself, believes in each other. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the stuff that you really can't quantify how much it means. You know, how much does Jeff McNeil's daily determination mean to a team? What is, what is Pete Alonso and his really never-say-die attitude? What does that do for a, a team? And I think we've seen it all come together here. A bunch of younger guys that really get along, that have developed into good players. Ahmed Rosario has matured before our eyes. You know, J.D. Davis, despite his laps in the field yesterday that you just played, has been an, an incredible boon for this team at the plate. And they've gotten some steady play from some of their veterans. Wilson Ramos has had a good couple of months. Todd Frazier had a good couple of months, and now he's kind of on the other side of that. But, uh, you know, this team uh, revolves around its pitching at the end of the day. And if the starters can continue to be as good as they've been and the bullpen can at least help them out a little bit, then I think this team is as good as any of those other teams that they're kind of buying for positioning with right now. So, so what was um, Brody Van Wagenen's plan there? Because it was hard to figure out for a while, Wayne. There was a moment after he grabbed Marcus Stroman um, where I'm like, is he just trying to control the market the next two days? Is that all he's trying to do? And then here we are, and he held on to Syndergaard, held on to Wheeler, and here's Stroman. But was he going for it? Do we know flat out that he was genuinely going for it this year and expecting the kind of turnaround that he got shortly after uh, the, the deadline? I don't necessarily think that they expected this. They, they, they were in the middle of a, a period there where they were playing a bunch of teams they felt like they could handle. They went 15 out of 16. I mean, that's pretty rare. I mean, in the history of the Mets, that's only happened a few times. So it's not something you can bank on. But I, I do think that they were trying to control the market in, in a sense and, and by getting Marcus Stroman you know, the early and by trading the guys they did, you know, they also believed in the case of Zach Wheeler that, you know, why give these guys away? I, I've never understood why general managers of the trade deadline just give players away that have value and that can help a team win down the stretch. And the Mets really held a price on Zach Wheeler. And if other teams weren't going to meet it, well, then they were going to keep Zach Wheeler and try to go for it. There's also a possibility that he gets extended a qualifying offer at the end of the year. You know, maybe he takes it and he comes back, and these are the five starters again for next year. Or maybe they get a draft pick out of it. Or maybe Wheeler sits around till next June. But whatever the case may be, I think the Mets found that there was value in keeping Zach Wheeler. Uh, Cindergaard is still a guy that you know they would have to get a, a high, expensive price for if they weren't going to move him. Whether that happened at the trade deadline this year or in the off season. So you know, whatever Brody thought about his players. He thought enough of them to hold them at a high price. He was able to add Marcus Stroman to the mix. And, you know, at the very least, they're set for a rotation for next year. But on top of that, they've also made this run. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? That there's a lot of other options as opposed to got to deal him or else you get nothing for him. You you brought up the other options and the possibilities for Wheeler. And these days, with the way that free agency works, especially for pitchers and guys who've been broken or they expect to get broken, who knows who knows what they're going to get it's been fascinating to watch the progress of this um Mets batch since they were built around arms at the same time the cubs were built around bats i've thought of them concurrently over these last 4 or 5 years 
and it's not working out ideally for either of them uh, necessarily. But uh, I, I wonder if you feel like you've learned anything in terms of if you're going to go through a rebuild, if Organization B or X is going to go through a rebuild, do you do the arms, do you do the bats, or do you both? I I would have to say that it's a lot easier to do it with the bats because you can trust it a little bit more. You know, the pitching can be so volatile, and the injuries can happen so frequently. You know, the the dream rotation the Mets had with Matt Harvey and Wheeler and Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Matt, they made one turn through the rotation, the five of them together. Wow. Just one time. And, you know, Wheeler was out for a couple of years. Harvey had all of his injury problems. They just can never get everybody on the same page except for one time at the very end before they traded Matt Harvey. And uh, it, it was tough to watch. Even in 2016 when the Mets made the wild card, they didn't have Jacob DeGrom in their rotation at the end of the year. They didn't have Steven Matz in their rotation at the end of the year. If they had beaten the Giants in the wild card game, then they would have gotten swallowed up by the Cubs quickly in, in the division series that year. So it, it was tough to build around pitching, I think. But you still feel like, and even now they feel like, if they get to the postseason, yep. well, they are sneaky because if it's Mets-Dodgers in round one in the National League Division Series, you're throwing to Syndergaard, DeGrom, Stroman, or, or Wheeler at these guys in the first three or four games, it's, they're tough to beat. And if the bullpen can give them something, if Edwin Diaz can, can be stronger than he's been, if Seth Lugo continues what he's done, you know, if they can get through some games without giving up many runs, they, they could be very tough to beat in a short series. I'm looking at it now. Saturday, April 7. To Wednesday, April 11, huh? That's Matt's, Harvey, Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Wheeler, and that's yep. that. That's it. it it's, it's amazing to think of. And this for a franchise that that won it in the mid-'80s with uh, Bobby Ojeda and Sid Fernandez and Darling and Gooden and Rick Aguilera, right? But mm. then tried to do it in the 90s with Bill Pulsifer and Jason Isringhausen and Paul Wilson, and that one blew up too. So, Well, and even before that, you know, 1969 with Seaver yep. and Kuzman and Gary Gentry and Nolan Ryan. I mean, they've always, always been a, a franchise that's tried to build around pitching. You know, and their ballparks kind of played to it especially City Field, is, is still a bigger ballpark compared to a lot of others. 408 to straightaway center field, you really got to tag it to get it out here. It's no, no thing for Pete Alonso, but for most batters, <laughs> you know, it could be a problem. But here we are, Wayne, uh, the Cubs having having gotten Bryant and, and Rizzo and inherited Baez and Contreras and then drafted Schwarber and all that. They've had to spend money on pitching, and sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's a disaster. And when it's a disaster, you have to spend more money, and then you have to spend more money. And and if you're not you're not developing your own, then uh, then you get in trouble. So that that one's not working either. Well, you know, it, it, there was at least some consistency in the sense that they made the playoffs every year for sure. You know, the Mets in 2017 and 18 had back-to-back seasons where they were a non-entity in, in the postseason race, and this year they've been able, after a general manager change to get and a managerial change to get back in it. So you've had the consistency from 15 till now of the same GM, the same, you know, Theo's still there, the same manager. Yeah. And they've been able to make the playoffs each year, and they're in the conversation again this year where the Mets have had a little bit more of a topsy-turvy nature because the pitchers have been hurt so often. I mean, that's true. And meanwhile, here are the Dodgers and the Astros ahead of everybody. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I have my theories, and I've talked about it a lot. What do you think the Astros are doing that other organizations have not? I think that they have a way of philosophy that is a lot different than everybody else, and I think we've seen that here with J.D. Davis coming in. 
the way that he thinks about hitting is so much different than the way everybody else thinks about hitting on this team. The way that he details his notes, the way that he looks at video, it's all very different. He's he's helped this team a lot as you know a de facto hitting coach in a sense because hmm. he's able to teach all these other guys. He's astrophying everybody, and I think that when when you see the pitchers go to Houston, all of a sudden they're throwing high fastballs and they're striking a lot of hitters out. I think the Astros have figured things out on a different level than everybody else, and I think that's why they have had success. But also, you know, that they largely built their thing around hitters too. You know, it was Correa and Bregman and Altuve and yes. Springer and so on. They built around the bats and they found a way to acquire pitching. And, you know, that was a formula that's worked, you know, in numerous ways for them. You know, I've talked a lot about the Astros pitching philosophy as an infrastructure. And and I believe last year, every level of the organization led their particular league in strikeouts per nine, which is just Mm -hmm. which is amazing. But what you mentioned in terms of the hitting this year uh, as an offense, their strikeout rate is the best in baseball in terms of the lowest and. You know, George Springer has gotten better. Bregman has gotten better in terms of their strikeout rate. What it, what is, kind of stuff has J.D. Davis brought? Uh, what are you noticing? It's interesting. Well, I think in, in the hitters' meetings, especially when they've gone over video, uh, J.D. has said that it really matters when you do your homework, that you come to those hitters' meetings already prepared. And when you do that, you're able to have a really good meeting. You're able to have a lot of details put into the meeting all of a sudden because you're not learning about anything. You already know about it all. So you can pick out a little bit more of those idiosyncrasies that you can pick up on and, and in detailed ways to go after these pitchers, and you just have a better plan at the plate. You know, We saw J.D. Davis the other night win a game against Brad Hand of the Indians, and you could just tell he was sitting on Hand's slider, and he fought off all the fastballs that Hand threw him. He knew Hand was going to work him inside. And then, lo and behold, Hand finally threw a slider down the middle, and Davis parked it in left field and won the game with it. But you could see that entire at-bat that he knew exactly what Brad Hand was going to throw him. So I think there's an extra step in the preparation and a buy-in from the players in Houston that maybe isn't happening in other places. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I guess when you come up and you see player after player uh, in the organization get it and get better – it becomes easier to buy in. And hell, when you're a young pitcher and you go there and you realize that Justin Verlander got better when he got there and right. he's, he's espousing and the virtue. Cole. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and Garrett Cole too. Um, all right, great stuff. Wayne, nice to talk to you. How, how many games these days? What's the schedule these days for you? For me, I'm doing all of them. Um, That's a lot I'm of them. The, I'm on the radio for all of them. So I, I do, uh, you know, Howie Rose is here and he's been here forever. So he's, you know, he's just as beloved here as Pat Hughes is in Chicago. And, um, you know, Howie does six innings of play-by-play and I do three. And then if Howie's off, I'll do six. And whoever's working with me will do three. And then occasionally I'll fill in on TV, too, and I'll work with uh, Keith and Ron. It has it has happened. You have arrived, Randazzo. That's <laughs> yes, sir. It, it has, and it's been it's been a phenomenal experience here. I'm happy for you, man. Enjoy yourself, and thanks so much for the time, Wayne. Appreciate you. All right, thank you very much. You got it. Talk to you. That's Wayne Randazzo, our former teammate, right here at six seventy. The score. I love talking baseball with him, and always have. It is Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run with you. And we are here till about 12.35 or so. Bruce Levine will join us at the top of the hour from the ballpark. The latest on Anthony Rizzo. And the Cubs make a roster move as well. The bench is thin. No more. They brought back David Bodie. And an injury for Derek Holland has been discovered. 
invented, discovered, diagnosed, whatever. Derek Holland goes to the injured list, and now back is David Bodie because it was awkward yesterday when that bench was so thin that Kyle Ryan is taking at bats and then having mishaps on the base paths. Can't have that. Come on. These are these are games you got to win. You don't need nine pitchers if you're not going to use them. I'm a little surprised it's Holland and and not Pedro Strope. I just don't know what use there is for Pedro Strope these days. In the long long relief role the other day and he turned a four nothing deficit into a seven nothing deficit very very quickly. Tremendous career, but right now not a moment where I want to see Pedro Strope out there. Uh, in in innings of consequence for the Cubs. But anyway, there it is. Bodie up and Holland down. We'll talk to Bruce Levine, top of the hour. Uh, when we come back, one of the best stories in all of baseball, not just Chicago baseball, but one of the best stories in all of baseball, tells you what the number one reason has been for his remarkable transformation. You'll hear it next on 670 The Score. Welcome back to Hit and Run. This was Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse with Lucas Giolito talking about his transformation. I've loved talking about your transformation, Lucas, because I've learned a lot about pitching in the process. Because it seems like there was four or five different things that happened. You moved a little bit in terms of your placement on the rubber, right? You, It, it seems like uh-huh. you, you, you got rid of a hitch that was there in your left leg and I believe a little yep. bit of a crossfire in the stride pattern, if I'm, if, if I'm right. Yep. And, and yep. then there's the brain canics, which was fascinating to, to read about <laughs> this neural development stuff. And, yep. then, and then there's the fact that last year you threw 599 sinkers and this year you've thrown zero, zero. Yeah. And so which of those has been the most important if you had to rank them or, or do, is it everything? Oh man, uh, if I had to rank them, I I, I got to put the mental stuff first. Hmm. Uh, I, I feel like just with how much I've worked on my mindset, my attitude, uh, I feel like I could go out there pitching, um, pitching like I was last year with the stuff I had last year, and still have limited success just because of my mindset. So I have to rank that one number one. Wow, uh, I, I'm surprised because the stuff, the 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 four seam and changeup combination seems to have revolutionized what the ceiling is for you. But maybe that's too simplistic from my perspective. Yeah, well, uh, I the thing, it, it's it's tough because yeah, I did make a bunch of physical changes, and, and the ball's definitely coming coming out of my hand much better now. Um, but though the physical changes really weren't that uh weren't that mm-hmm. difficult or, or i guess you could say that they weren't that it wasn't like i was grinding that hard to to get there i just i just kind of finally let go of some things and started training in the right way and that's kind of how it was able to happen yeah talk about that mental side of it because it's you know for relatable for the the public and for people in the media uh it's not real sexy but it's so significant these days about Lucas Giolito coming off of the bench in 2018 after bad inning and then beating himself up as opposed to the cerebral way that you handle it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, last year was, you know, a lot of bad games, a lot of games that blew up right in my face. And I didn't handle it that, that well um, because 
I knew I was better than what I was showing, but I was I was like searching for that feel, searching for uh, you know that that one good game that's gonna you know make it uh, I guess make it feel better, make it feel like okay I'm back on track now. This is what I need to be doing. But that wasn't really the answer. Um, I I was lacking uh, confidence in myself when I was out there pitching, which is a big no-no that I now realize. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, l- lacking a, a a solid, consistent routine, daily routine that um, that works for me, and that that I know uh, if I follow those steps, then I'm going to continue to uh, hit the goals I want to hit. Uh, so, I mean, just a, a big combination, kind of really sitting down after the after the uh, season was over, looking in the mirror, and and realizing that. You know, I, I had to make some make some changes. I had to, uh, you know, try new things, tr- try new stuff, and and uh, you know, luckily I was able to find the right combination of stuff that works for me. Who's that mental edge guru for you, or what what conversation or person might have helped you be able to do that for yourself? Number one was my wife Ariana. Um, she was. She was the one that kind of had to kick my butt a little bit and and, and let me know uh, that you know the stuff I was doing wasn't really working and I and that she thought it was about time to try something else and uh, so she was the first person I listened to mm-hmm. and from from there I just kind of surrounded myself with uh, people that I know and trust that are in my corner to see me improve and and find success and i just was all ears from that point so that's great stuff from yesterday um thank you zach weathers for pulling that and i wanted folks to hear that because as i mentioned at the top of that segment uh on six seven and score that was inside the clubhouse yesterday you're listening to hit and run today um certain athletes when you cover their evolution and really this is true in all sports isn't it you learn a lot about the game and you learn about people, learn about humanity, learn about life. And I feel like in watching this Lucas Giolito transformation, I've learned a lot about pitching, certainly, but um, but also just just about taking control, taking control of your career, um, recognizing who actually is in your corner and who is not recognizing that sometimes you may have to go outside the framework of your own organization to get some help. You may have to go outside the framework of your own comfort zone. Go find that, that pitching coach who is your pal uh, or not your pal. I should say that that pitching coach who, you know, or, or believe can help you, even if the one employed by the team you're on might not be the most perfect fit or has not, you guys have not connected or, 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 or he has not reached you in whatever way. If uh, if somebody, one thing that went unspoken in there, but maybe you know about from, I believe it was last week's hit and run, is that uh, is that Danny Farquhar, who is now in the White Sox organization as a uh, minor league hitting instructor, was one of the guys who told Lucas Giolito, man, your four-seam fastball is serious. It's, my God, you got you to gotta throw that one more. And throw the change up, pair the change up with it. You'll really have something. And Farquhar stayed on him for like a year and a half. And so I thought that was going to be the one. Because I think when you look at the success level of Lucas Giolito this year, that um, th- that combination of fastball change up, and I mentioned the number there at the top of that interview, that he's last year he threw 599 two-seam fastballs, sinkers. 
599. This year's zero. Not a single one. Can you imagine just changing the repertoire that viciously, that violently? It's what they do in Houston, right? It's how they fix guys in Houston, right? So, but his answer that the mental side came first is his wife saying, you got to try new things. So maybe he wouldn't have even had the willingness to make the change with the stuff that he's talking about if he hadn't first embraced the mental side of making the change and realizing that you got to try different things. So it's, it's super duper instructive. And, and athletes who uh, open their minds and open their, their games and allow a, um, a level of vulnerability in saying, all right, I don't know everything. What else can I learn? Teach me, teach me, teach me. That, that shows, that makes all the sense in the world. So you're open to, to ideas. Okay, well, let me try this. All right, well, I guess I should try this. What? This is bad? Okay, I guess I'll try this. All right, well, me, all right, okay. And then all of a sudden, you've changed a whole bunch of things, and they're all working. And it takes a certain egolessness that doesn't often come along in a 26-year-old body like Lucas Giolito. I believe he's 26. But, but goodness, he is a full-on ace. I, You know, I'm not saying he is... Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. Because, look, if we're going to talk about true number one pitchers, true number one guys, how many of those are in baseball? Eight? Nine? Ten? Something like that? But in terms of, like, a number, you know, a number one for your team, an ace for your team, is he's among the top 20, 30 pitchers in baseball. Uh, and I will I will say that he is going to continue this because he has found a number of different things, not the least of which, in my opinion, now, after the mental opening, after the approach change, is this combination of four-seamer and change-up that has revitalized him. And it is a variation on what is going on in the game these days. The, 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 these days. Four-seamer at the top of the zone paired with a slider or a 12-6 to curveball. Or in Gilito's case, a changeup, something that comes out of the same tunnel and then dies or goes somewhere else. Think Trevor Bauer with his slider. Think Rowan Wick with his curveball. Think Giolito with his changeup. Think, think Marcus Stroman with his slider. Um, it, it's it, it, it's all the similar kind of thing right now, and it it combats the launch angle revolution perfectly. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. And the bottom of the hour also brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. What's the latest from Wrigley Field? We'll check in with our man Bruce Levine when we come back on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 